Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Good morning, everybody. I'm so, so glad you're here with us today. Go ahead and stand and we'll continue in worship together. If nobody's told you yet, we're so happy you're here. So, so happy you joined us. We've got a few more coming in, so make sure there's, you got empty spots, flag some people down, come sit with you. If it's your first time visiting with us today, we are especially honored that you chose to come and worship with us. And we do want to connect with you. There's some connect cards out in the lobby we'd love to be fill out. We won't hound you or anything. We just want to learn your name and know how we can help your family. But hey, we're going to start with a new song this morning, which I always get excited about. It's called Let the Redeemed. So whenever you're comfortable and feel like you're ready to go, join in with us and sing. He led me out of the desert, brought me into his streams, liver of living water. Turn my bitter into sweet, all my burdens lifted. Took the shackles off my feet, and there's no sound louder than captives set free. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so.
rest alone. My hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone is solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still and when striving seeks. thank you for that this morning. I know that there are folks in this place this morning who need you more today than they did yesterday. And I know there's folks here in this building who will need you more tomorrow than they do today. But Lord, we know that you are constant. And we know that you are faithful. And we know that if we're in Christ, then we can totally depend upon you that this morning, Lord. And I pray that today, if there's someone here that can't say that, oh, oh, Lord, I pray that they would turn to you today so that they can claim that at promise as well. I pray that you be with these tithes and offerings, Lord. I pray that you be with the gift and the giver. 
Lord, just bless this time. We love you. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you. In your precious name, we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Just because he's good, he's worthy. Good and worthy of all of our worship and all that we could give him this morning. So good uh, to see you today. So glad uh, that you're here. You know, God's really blessed us over the summer months. We continue to see uh, new faces and, and new folks coming to our services. It really is an honor uh, to have folks to come and to visit with us and, and to be with us on a Sunday morning. And I hope that you're taking time to say hello to folks and to welcome them and and uh, maybe if you're visiting today with us, we'd love to, to know more about you, know who you are, your name. If you haven't been able to drop by the uh, information center out in the gathering area and uh, fill out a connect card, uh, we'd love for you to, to do that and just let us know more about you. We would really, really, really like uh, to get to know you today. Um, well, I don't have to remind our kiddos, I guess, that... Uh, this is the last weekend of freedom, right? Kids go back to school this week. We want to be mindful of our kids and mindful of our, our school districts and systems from in our church. My goodness, the Lord's really blessed us from Callaway to Graves uh, to McCracken to Marshall. The uh, Lord's really given us an opportunity to minister into the lives of a lot of students across several different school districts. And so we just want to be mindful of our administrators and teachers, faculty, staff, all the students uh, going back to school this week. So please lift them up, uh, pray for them. Uh, next Sunday, we're probably going to have a special time of prayer uh, for them. Uh, I think some families are trying to get their last weekend of freedom in, doing some things today and traveling. So uh, we're thinking about them as well. But I'm really glad uh, that you're here today. Uh, tomorrow, if you don't have any lunch plans, we'd like to invite you to come join us about 10 o'clock. Uh, Brother Steve's going to be taking us all out for lunch tomorrow, right? And uh, about 10 o'clock, we're going to go to a place in Marion, Kentucky, uh, Anna Mays or something like that, Anna Mays Kitchen, I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah, new place. And uh, if you're free tomorrow around lunchtime, it's for all adults. You may come join us at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just good to see you. It really is. Even as I just sit here today and kind of glance the room and take in faces, uh, today it's really really good to see all of you today and some folks we hadn't seen you in a while and just so glad that you're here today and in fact won't you look at the person next to you and just say hey i'm glad you're here won't you just do that right now and say hey i'm really glad that you're here today there you go really glad that you're here today well today we're going to continue in the third chapter of the book of John. We're going to continue this message series. Uh, my heart originally was that this would be one message. And uh, it looks like it's going to be about three messages or four. So we are in this mini-series, I guess you could say, um, revisiting John 3.16 and asking the question, what is the gospel? So if you have your Bibles today, we're looking in John chapter 3. You know, there really is a big difference. I mean, really. Big difference. Big, big difference. There's a big difference from watching a snowfall to actually looking at a snowflake. Really a big difference. You know, throughout my life, I have seen, I've watched many snowfalls. And um, I'm glad to live in a part of the country where I can watch snowfalls. It's really neat. Not everybody gets that privilege of living with all the four seasons. Some people say even in the state of Kentucky, we get all four seasons sometimes in one day, right? But of all the things... The, uh, the beautiful things that, that God's brought into my life through my wife. He's brought to me through her an appreciation for detail. I, I've seen many snowfalls, but it wasn't until I married Emily that I actually looked at a snowflake. 
I remember one time when the kids were young and we had just had a fresh snowfall. And she was out in the yard and she was playing with the kids. And um, she had a snowflake that landed on her glove. I think she was wearing maybe a black glove or a dark glove. And I can remember her holding up the glove and motioning for us to come closer, to actually take a look and to examine the snowflake. And, and what I saw was amazing. It, it really was brilliant. Seeing many snowfalls, but there's a big difference from looking at a snowfall and actually examining or looking at a snowflake. In this series of looking at John 3.16. You know, we could just spend time on John 3.16. We could talk about it. In fact, we could probably just take that one verse and build a whole message series from the one verse. John 3.16. In fact, I, I would dare say most of us could quote it from memory, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you can't even quote it, I'm sure you've seen it. You've seen it. Okay, you got me. You got me. I'm a moose, I'm a moose, I'm a moose. I'm a moose. Okay, there you go. That's from Kids Camp this week. Sorry. Thanks for allowing, causing me to lose my train of thought. Because I'm a moose. We... Even if we can't memorize John 3.16, we can't quote it. I mean, we've seen it at sporting events, book, chapter, verse. I would say that we all have observed it. Like watching a snowfall, from, maybe from a, from a distance. And, and it's still very powerful. I mean, just John 3.16 is amazingly powerful. You know, Dr. Billy Graham built his, his life and his ministry of almost eight decades, eight decades around the simple message of the gospel that you find in John 3, 16. If you haven't been able to, to watch the documentary about his life that's out on Netflix, I want to encourage you to do that. I believe it's called An Extraordinary Journey, Billy Graham, An Extraordinary Journey. By the time it was over, I was crying like a baby. I really was. It was so powerful. And he said something that really struck me when he came to the end of his life. He said, one day you're going to read that Billy Graham has died. But don't you believe it. For when that happens, I will be more alive than I've ever been before. Man, a life just embrace the simple gospel message that you find in John 3, 16. But in this message series, I don't want us to look at it like just watching a snowfall from a distance. I want us to dive into it. I want us to, to really look at its context, its background, even the word pictures and the analogies that, that Jesus draws from that helps us to better understand what the gospel really is. Is. We're going to look at John 3.16 like examining a snowflake. We know the context, right? We started this last week. Jesus is having a discussion with a man named Nicodemus. This man was a special person. Devoted, religious, very dedicated. He was a ruler of the Jews he was a part of the, the Sanhedrin, which was almost like being a part of the Jewish Supreme Court. He was a part of the Pharisees, a, a group of people who had devoted themselves to rigorously observe the law. I mean, if you wanted a picture of faithfulness and dedication, of religious, religiosity, if you will, the Nicodemus was certainly that man. And John tells us in John 3 that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and maybe had some questions for Jesus, wanted to ask questions, questions to Jesus about some things. And then Jesus begins to tell Nicodemus, 
You know, if you really want to see the kingdom of God, you want to be a part of life with God, where God rules, God reigns, you know, being a part of a, of a very special kingdom that only God could possess and have and give. He tells Nicodemus to be a part or to see the kingdom of God. He says you must be born again. And there's several times in the first part of that where the word born or born again is used several times. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that a man must be born of water and the Spirit. You must have a natural birth, but having a natural birth is, is not really the step that you need to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, for many of us, we would call this what, what it means to have a relationship with God. What it means to genuinely be redeemed. What it means to be converted. What it means to be saved. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that a man must be born of the Spirit. Paul would, would tell us that the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is the mark of God upon a believer. Not pointing to any previous decision, any particular prayer that might have been prayed, walk in the aisle, or even being baptized. But the mark of God on a converted life is the Holy Spirit. Being born of the Spirit, a new birth. Well, Nicodemus is perplexed by this. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, that he should not marvel in verse 7. I shouldn't, you should not marvel. You shouldn't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. And then Jesus tells Nicodemus what life in the Spirit is, is like. He says, the wind blows, this is verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. To be born of the Spirit is to live a life that looks like the Spirit. The Spirit, He has a mind of His own. He, he goes where He wishes. You don't know where He might move in, and you don't know where He might take you. It's truly living a filled life. And it's not filled necessarily in the sense of being filled like a cup which He certainly fills our life, but it's feeling like filling a sail. Like filling a sail on a ship. When the sail of the ship is filled by the wind, then the wind moves, it dictates, and it controls that vessel. So a life that is born of the Spirit is a life that is sold out to the movement and the direction of God by His Spirit. We often say that if you are a control freak and you want to maintain absolute control of your life and, and you want to dictate everything about your life, then the Spirit-filled life is probably not for you. But if you want a life that participates in the kingdom of God and you want a, a life in an adventure of walking with God, and being moved by Him for whatever He desires for your life. And you realize that navigating and driving and dictating your life is, is not the best for you. Then life in the Spirit is certainly what you need and what you should desire. So then Jesus moves on in this discussion with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes back and says in verse 9. How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him. Are you the teacher of Israel. And do not understand these things. These things escape you Nicodemus. In all of your learning. In all of your religious devotion. The things of the spirit. And the th true things of God have escaped you. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen. 
and you do not receive, you do not take in our witness. And most likely Jesus here is talking about Himself, maybe the apostles. I mean, the religious leaders of the Jews had seen the miracles that He had done. They had seen, they'd observed His his ministry and His life. These might be the very earthly things that that they could see, that they could hear, that they've experienced. He says, we have shared these things with you, but you. You as a representative of the religious leaders of your day, you do not accept our testimony. Things that you can see and things that you can hear. These earthly things of even God moving through the earthly things. You don't accept. So, verse 12 If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? There's a good possibility that to know heavenly things does take a certain skill. It takes a certain skill. It it takes a training of spiritual perception. To know true, spiritual, heavenly things. That the natural man cannot readily accept or even understand. Uh, The Apostle Paul would talk about this in 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul wrote and he said, now watch this. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of the world who is from God, so that we may what? So that we may what? So that we may, y'all do this with me today, so that we may what? We may know. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Things given to us by God in Christ, but He wants you to know these things. He wants you to experience these things. He wants these, these things to be a part of your life and your existence so that you can live in these riches that you have in Christ. But yet these things that are freely given to us by God, they are taught to us by His Spirit. His Spirit is our teacher. Things we also speak, verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 2, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the who? By the Spirit. So if I, I want, if I want the Spirit's teaching in my life, then I need to be born of the Spirit. I need to be born again. Born of the water? Yes, natural, fleshly birth, but that's not enough to see and to experience the kingdom of God. It is truly being born by the Spirit. And once you are born by the Spirit, then you can be taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But, verse 14, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually what? Because they are spiritually appraised. Now, Paul does not say here that the natural man cannot receive the Spirit. He cannot welcome the Spirit's entrance into his life. No, he says that the natural man cannot receive or understand the things that are taught by the Spirit because it only makes sense. You can't receive the things taught by the Spirit if the Spirit does not live and reside within you. All of this highlights what Jesus had been telling Nicodemus about being born of the Spirit. And then that is how, in the beginning of a person knowing heavenly things. Then Jesus does something that any Jew like Nicodemus would know and recognize right off the bat. Now you might not, you might not recognize this. If, if you don't have a foundation in Old Testament history, you know, maybe 
you skipped out on Bible study when you were younger and, and, you, know, and you didn't go to, to, to Sunday school or Bible study class and you didn't take advantage of those opportunities to know Old Testament history. I mean, many of you, you've heard me say time and time again to, to really understand New Testament theology. You need to know Old Testament history. And a lot of times these foundations in Old Testament history are laid down when we're younger, when, when we're kids. And so it's really, really important that we take time to know and, and to study and to grow. And I've even said this morning in the first service that if, you're, if you don't have a desire, if there's not a transformation of desire in your life to know and to want to know the things of God, then maybe you truly haven't been born of the Spirit of God. You might say, well, I walked an aisle, I went up with a group of friends, I even got baptized. But if there, is, if there has not been a transformation of desire in your life to hunger and thirst for the things of God, then that might be a sign to you that the Spirit of God has yet really to enter into your life. Because that, Paul says, the Spirit is the mark of God on a believer. Having, possessing the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus says next will make sense to a Jew like Nicodemus. But for us, we may have to dig a little bit to understand what he's getting ready to say. So he says to Nicodemus, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven. The Son of Man. Did you know that over 80 times in the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man? A title He takes for Himself. And that the Gospel writers give to Christ. A Jew like Nicodemus, when he hears Son of Man, he would likely think about Daniel the prophet. Daniel Chapter 7, we're introduced to the Son of Man. Likely when Jesus says, talking about ascending and descending, He's probably talking about the incarnation of the Son of Man coming and living among us. It's almost like what Jesus is doing is He's doing all, taking all this kingdom discussion and this kingdom talk. And with this understanding of the Son of Man... He's, he's like standing in front of Nicodemus, like pointing all of this to himself. That if you really want to be a part of the kingdom of God, then you're standing at the doorstep of the one who is the king. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel wrote, this. He said, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a. Y'all see that? Y'all with me? Nobody's falling asleep yet? Old boy, your neighbor, say, Can you read? Read that right now. This is your cue. It's highlighted to make it easy for you. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him. To who? The son of man. To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Who has this eternal kingdom where he has received glory and, and honor and dominion. It is the Son of Man. That all peoples, nations, and men of every, langu of every language might serve him. Serve who? The Son of Man. His dominion is what kind of dominion? His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It has no beginning. It has no end. If you want to be a part of a kingdom and a rule and a reign that lasts forever. Where you as a person can truly thrive and not just survive. 
Be all that God ever wants you to be. Fulfill your purposes that He has for your life. If you want to be a part of a reign and a rule that will never go away, then you need to be a part of the dominion or the kingdom of the Son of Man. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not what? Which will not be destroyed. All other kingdoms of this world will come, they will go, but the kingdom of the Son of Man will last forever. That's the kind of kingdom and life we want to be a part of. Will not be destroyed. So Jesus says, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. And so that would trigger within Nicodemus these thoughts and these understandings from Daniel about this everlasting kingdom and rule and reign. And then, Jesus says something else that I really believe brings the snowflake up to our eyes. And looking at the illustration and example that Jesus gives of what the gospel is like from Old Testament history, you can see some intricacies and some delicacies and some detail and some precision that really helps us to understand what the gospel is. Now, if you don't know Old Testament history again, this, uh, this may seem odd to you, unfamiliar. But to a man like Nicodemus, he would know this story well. Verse 14, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so who? The Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever believes may in Him, in who? The Son of Man. That whoever believes in Him may be, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Let's read that again. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes may in Him, the Son of Man, have eternal life. Now, some of you might be going... I've heard of Moses. I know that he was a leader of the children of Israel. I've heard of the wilderness, the wilderness wanderings of the Israelites before they entered into Canaan, the promised land. I know about the first generation that because of unbelief were not enabled to enter into the Lord's rest. That first generation, they died in the wilderness along with Moses. I hear those words. Moses, wilderness, yeah, some of that's making sense to me. But what about this serpent thing that was lifted up in the wilderness? I don't know if I've heard about that. Numbers chapter 21 tells us about this event. And what had happened was that the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings, they had come to the Canaanites. And they were afraid of the Canaanites and, and didn't feel that they could, could win in a battle with the Canaanites. And so the Lord tells them that He's going to give them victory. So guess what happens? God gives, the Canaan, uh, gives Israel victory over the Canaanites. But then the Scripture tells us that the Israelites, they became impatient in their journey. This is Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. In verse 4, the people became impatient because of the journey. And here's what they did. They spoke against God and Moses. Now, I would say speaking against Moses would be one thing, but speaking against Moses and God kind of puts you in a whole other place 
of rebellion, dissatisfaction, whatever you want to call it. So they're, they're, they're speaking against God. They're speaking against Moses. And this is what they say. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, if we could roll back history and time, the same people who for 400 years had lived in Egyptian slavery and had cried out time and time and time to the Lord. And the Lord heard their prayers and He raised up Moses to miraculously lead them out of Egypt and to give them freedom. And in this period of wondering, because God knew not to take them by the way of the Philistines because they were not prepared to do war. He took them on the long road and the long route because he was looking out for their best interest. But yet they lose sight of the big picture in the journey. And while on the journey, they grow dissatisfied. He had sustained them, given them what they needed, but it wasn't enough. And now they're at a point thinking, why, it would be better, it'd been better for us. Or would be better for us to go back to Egypt and to die in Egypt. They loathed the food that they were eating, and they were a dissatisfied, grumbling, complaining people. So in verse 6. There's a consequence for their rebellion. There's consequence for their sin. What's really going to be neat about how this thing plays out is we see that there's consequence for sin. Consequence for sin. Consequence for rebellion. Consequence for dissatisfaction. Consequence for speaking against God and Moses. Consequence for their hearts being hard. Toward God. There's consequences. Has anybody told you that there's consequences? Has anyone told you of late that when the heart is hardened toward God and there is rebellion toward God, that there are consequences for taking that position toward God? Has anybody told you lately that when your heart is hardened toward God, there's consequences for that heart? And for that rebellion. Yet God in His infinite love for the Israelites, even though they would live with their... What's that word again? That word that starts with a C? That word for when there's disrebellion. Remember the Israelites had hardened their hearts. They were not allowed to enter into God's rest. What was that word again? It starts with a C. That whenever a heart is hardened or rebels or says to God... I think I can do this my way. I don't need you. I don't have to trust you. People who want the blessing of God on their life, but they refuse to do things God's way. That C word again? Consequences. There's consequences for that. Thank you. But God, in His love and mercy and His grace for Israel will provide healing even in the midst of their what's that word again? Their consequences. So here's the consequences. Uh, some would call this judgment. The Lord, in verse 6, to Israel, He sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Now the people start taking this in. They're watching this. And they're like, oh boy. We've really messed up. I, I think they know, they know that this is a consequence of their hardened hearts and their rebellion. So they recognize these serpents that's placed in their midst. A serpent is a what? A snake, right? And they see people bit and people die. And they're like, man, I don't want to be bit 
and I don't want to die. So, wow, we're really sorry for this. You know, repentance is a great thing. Confession is a good thing. It's like that new start that many of us need in our lives. You, you recognize that you've messed up along the way. There's consequences for decisions that you've made. And you come to God and you say, God, I am an idiot. I blew it. But you know what, Lord? I acknowledge that to you. And the scripture tells us time and time again... God is merciful to the broken, repentant, humble heart. Every single time, God meets the humble, broken heart with His mercy, His love, and His grace. So they acknowledge this. They, they come to, to this place. And then they go to Moses. And they go to Moses and they say, We have sinned. Because we've spoken against the Lord. And you intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And so Moses, he prays on behalf of the people. Now let's get in mind here what the people want. We messed up. There's consequences for this rebellion. The serpents are here as a symbol of our rebellion and our, the consequence. God, would you remove the consequence. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he's going to bring healing in the midst of their consequences. So Moses prays for the people. And the Lord said in verse 8 to Moses. Now this is where it gets really interesting. Make a fiery serpent... And set it on a standard. This standard would also be like a pole. It's believed that when Moses made this, he put a crossbar at the top of it to support the serpent, this bronze serpent that he put on the standard. Here's, here's a picture of it, by the way, of what it possibly looked like. The bronze serpent on the standard. Isn't it interesting that the standard or the pole kind of looks like a what? Kind of looks like a what? Kind of looks like a what? Kind of looks like a cross. You may not know this, but it's believed that this symbol has been used to become the international symbol for modern medicine. I think we might even have a, a picture of that if y'all have ever seen this before. Some think it's from Greek mythology. Others see this being related to what Moses did in the wilderness when he took the standard. We'll go back to the other picture. When he took the standard and he put the serpent on it. But then there was this condition that God set forth. He said to Moses, make, this is verse 8 again. We're going back and forth. Verse 8, make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard and it shall come about. That everyone who is what? Y'all with me? This is when it gets really fun. Every, not getting bitten. Bitten's not being fun. Okay, but this, this whole thing is amazing. That everyone who is what? Everyone who is what? Everyone who is bitten. You get bit? Say with me. You get bit? You get poisoned? Envenomated, sickened, injected, infected by sin. Scripture tells us they all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That all human race, all of humanity has been bitten, infected, injected, envenomated. Poisoned, do you get the idea? Bitten, infected, envenomated, injected, poisoned by sin. Bitten, 
infected, envenomated, sickened, separated from God because of sin. People, we've been bitten and we're sick and we need healing from our sickened, poisoned, envenomated, injected condition. Anyone who's bitten, when he or she looks at it, looks at what? Looks at the bronze serpent on the standard. If you look at it, you will live. But here's the deal. It is understood that the look comes with a promise. The look comes with a promise. And you can't look unless you believe. And you can't believe unless you have faith. They had a choice. And their sickened, envenomated, poisoned, injected condition. They had a choice. They were not rendered completely incapable of looking. They weren't resurrected then to look. But they could look in their condition. They had a choice. If you look with faith, believing you can find healing, you will be healed. That was the, the healing in the wilderness. This is the black glove. And the snowflake sits on it called the gospel. And Jesus uses this story then to tell Nicodemus and to tell us in verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why a serpent? He could have picked a polar bear. He could have picked a squirrel. But he picked a serpent. A symbol of their very sin and rebellion. And could it be that what God was showing Israel through Moses was that I will kill your sin. I'll crucify it on a standard. But there will be an, a bearer on that standard who is greater than your sin. And we hear the words of Paul when Paul says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in him. The Son of Man must be lifted up. And He must be put on a standard. He must be put on a cross. Verse 15. That whoever believes will in Him have eternal life. You've been bitten. You have been injected. You have been envenomated. The world has. But there's healing. There's a cure. We sang about a double cure earlier today in the service. What is the cure? It is by faith Looking to the one who can heal you. You have a choice just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. You can look or you cannot look. But you cannot look without faith believing that your healing comes from there. What is our answer 
What is the answer to the sickness of sin in humanity? The answer is found in looking to the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this right now too. When you look, you don't stop looking. Because Paul says, He becomes our very life. He's just not a part of my life. He's not an answer to my problems. He is my life. So I don't stop looking. I continue to be mesmerized by the one who's crucified and, and cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. I continue to stand in awe of what He did for me and what He's done for you. And the very one who hung on that tree was raised from the dead to live in us. The sin bearer and the sin conqueror and the healer of all of our infirmities is the one who lives in us who look and believe. And this is the heart of the gospel where Jesus will then come upon this and He will say, for God so loved the world. Oh, we're going to break this down next week. John 3, 16. We're breaking it down next week. God so loved the world. Who did He love? Who does He love? Who has His heart and His affection? The world. But it prompts Him to do what? It prompts Him to give of Himself. That He gave. His one and only Son. As a cure for the sickness. The invinimization of sin. That whoever will look and believe will not perish. As Billy Graham said, and people, people have actually ridiculed Billy Graham for the simplicity of his understanding of the gospel. But as he said, one day you're going to read that Billy Graham is dead, but don't you believe it? Because when that happens, because of Christ, I'll be more alive than I've ever been before. So what about you? What about you? What about you? Have you looked? Have you looked to Him? Believing. He is your cure and your healing. And if you haven't, then maybe it's time. You take a long, hard look at Jesus. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.